Man, that's great. It feels good to just be in a place of worship, to be in a place of prayer, you know, and to be in a place where we can continue to put God first because no matter what anybody tells you, let me just be the first to tell you, the government can't take and restrict your worship. Nobody can take your right to worship. There are uh, churches that are underground in China still worshiping. And, 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 and we think our freedoms, and really it's our privileges. Our privileges were taken away and we equate our American privileges to Christian rights. And just because I'm an American doesn't mean I'm, I'm a Christian and vice versa. And just because I, I see this as an American right doesn't mean it's a Christian principle. The, the, he didn't guarantee us privileges and rights. He said, you'll probably get your rights taken, your privileges taken from you. And when you do, will you worship me in spirit and in truth, even when everything is stripped away? Will you still choose to worship when they tell you you're not allowed to? And let me just continue even further down this thought process because I've got a captive audience. You ain't got nowhere to go. <laughs> uh, you don't have anywhere to be. We're not totally reopened yet. Uh, but when I, when I speak about this, I, we could easily say, well, yes, they did. We're not allowed to gather in, a, in, in the church. Let me just tell you, there were 39 miracles in the book of Acts and all of them happened in homes. Not one of them happened in a church. Not one of them happened in a church. I'm going to say it again. Not one of them happened in a church. The early church that grew and changed the world all started in homes. Now, it went to churches and it went to massive buildings to house the revival and the increase and the outpouring and the harvest of what God was doing. And that is phenomenal. Church has its place. The fellowship has its place. The Bible says, do not forsake the fellowship of the brethren because we were not meant to live isolated. We were meant to come together. We Isolation is not how we were intended. God, when God created Adam, he said it's not good for Adam to be alone. So he created a helpmate. And, and then they had kids. And, and, when they, and then from that, we continue to see how we were meant to be together. We were meant to come together. We were meant to worship together. We were meant to live together, pray together. We were meant to hug. We know how important it is for hugs. And I know many of you, man, you're just like me. I can't wait to hug people again. And some of you are like, thank God, because I'm an introvert and I don't like hugging people anyway. But even you are now saying, I could do like one hug, maybe two. And, and a high five and, and we're kind of, we're all feel differently about whether or not how cautious we want to be, but we all can agree that we weren't meant to be for isolation. We were meant to be together and the church again has its place, but that doesn't take my, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were worshiping alone. They were worshiping God by themselves. And when other people bowed, they didn't bow. So then they, now in corporate worship, they said, we're not worshiping your God. We're going to worship our God. So now they're like, forget that. And Daniel, Daniel had such a worshipful life in his home that they knew what time of day Daniel would be praying and where. That's how strong his worship life was, his prayer life was. Do people know not to bother you on Sunday mornings because they know you're worshiping? Do people know on Wednesday nights not to bother you from seven to eight because you'll be worshiping? Or do you get so many bombarded texts and messages and all kinds of little things and you get all these little issues, all the distractions come in because nobody knows you worship, nobody knows you actually pray, nobody knows you spend time with the Lord. 
that, that nobody actually knows this. But do people, have you created a place where all those miracles that happen, they can happen in your home too? And just like when the Ark of the Covenant was put in Obed-Edom's house, it blessed the entire house because the presence of God was so great there, so powerful there that it notified the whole city. Is that what's happening in your home? What? Let me ask you a question before we really get started. Is, that's what, is that what is happening in your home or is, it, or is the opposite happening in your home? Are you gaining 20 pounds? Are you, are you lethargic and not waking up at all in the morning? Are we not, do we not have a schedule? We're not going for a walk at all. We're not going out at all. We're not reading. You haven't, or during this six week period, you haven't read one book. You, you haven't picked up your Bible more than two times. What, 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 what are we creating in our homes to say, God, I'm ready? Because we can complain and whine and say, God, I'm ready all the time. But have we showed God that we're ready? Do people recognize that we are ready? Do people see that we are ready to say, oh my gosh, these guys, they worship every day, pray every day. When you let them out of their house, they're going to go crazy. And the whole city is going to be changed because they've already, they've been filled so much, they're overflowing. Because that's what God wants to get us to. It's not just full, but overflowing. And so we have to be able to start seeing some things differently. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight about. I want to talk to you about the struggle because we always say that. It's always like, and used to, it was just a hashtag that was like goofy or silly. But now the, the struggle is real, hashtag, right? Because it really is a struggle. It's a, it's a fight. And I know a lot of you, like me, can, can in fact, can somebody just give me a thumbs up, a heart emoji, or say the struggle is real if you can agree that you've been angry way more times than you normally are during this time? Like you've gotten frustrated, you've gotten in an argument with your spouse, you got a, you're yelling at your kids, you're, you're hitting them more than you used to. I, no, I'm just kidding. But you, you, all those little things that you're just, you, I lost my mind the other day. I, I, I literally blew up over a board game and I got so mad and and normally that's not me I'm not that you know I like I'm not that competitive in a board game but I it was just like the tension and and I just lost it and so of course the the foolish thing to do I took it out on my wife I took it out on I started yelling and and I regret that that's a that's a regret now I have a what if regret instead of a what if possibility because I've allowed my anger to come out in an unhealthy way. And so I wonder if the, I'm gonna to speak to somebody who's been angry or frustrated or you're frustrated with how things are reopening or not reopening and you're just caught in the middle of this frustration and chaos and, and there's so much confusion, which you ought to do an indicator test and know that he, the devil, is the author of confusion and that we ought to take all of our anxiousness and be anxious for nothing and give it to the Lord. We ought to take all of our worries and cast them before the Lord. We ought to take all of that and give it to God because we don't need to be overwhelmed and consumed by that. And in James chapter one, it talks a little bit into this. It says, my brethren, count it all joy Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Count it all joy. Can you count it all? <laughs> How many of us could say, man, I was happy every day of quarantine. I was happy every day my business was closed. I was happy every day the governor and, and the president said everything's going to remain shut down. No, 
There is a lot of anger out there. People are protesting and in anger about not reopening fast enough and others who are reopening, we're reopening too quick and it's all going to bounce back. And there's so much confusion and there's so much, so many people out there trying to say this is the truth or this is the truth or this is really what, these are the facts. No, these are the facts. And, and, and you, it's hard to believe what's true anymore. I, you get to a place where you're like, what's really true? And I want to help kind of speak into that a little bit today of in that frustration, what truth is out there, what facts are out there, and what do you do with them? Because just as much as this water bottle is real, right, it's what I do with this water bottle that makes any difference. If I don't need something to drink, I shouldn't even have it on the table because it it doesn't mean anything to me because I'm not thirsty and I don't need any water. So what am I even doing with this? So I should just set it down and not even touch it. But if I need water and it it, it speaks to me and it's going to be useful to me, then I should keep the water close by. Does that make sense? So with truth, there could be a lot of things on your table and a lot of facts on your table. But what facts and what truth really need to remain? What things are applicable to you? What things do you need to address? What truths do you need to address? What facts do you need to address? What does God want you to address? And then are you able to count it all joy? Are you able to say, okay, even though this is an issue and I can't take Corona off my plate, I can, I can count it all joy. Okay, God, you're going to work it out. You're going to do good. You're going to work this out for me. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to believe that you, you've got my best interest in mind. And I'm going to take this fact, this truth that's on my plate, and I'm going to deal with it in an appropriate manner. And then he says this, knowing that the testing of your faith. So first, when you get tested, what is the test for? The test is for your faith. When you get tested, he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Man, how much does our world need patience right now? Patience and peace. Our world needs patience and needs peace more than ever before. We need patience. Somebody say say right now, Lord, I need patience. I need patience on how things are done and the way things are done and how full my plate is or how empty my plate is or where I'm at in life and where my marriage is at, my kids are at, my business is at. I'm, I'm missing a job. I need a job by this specific date. God, I need patience. God, give me patience to wait on you. And he says, but let patience, so now we're, we, if we get patience and we pray for patience, during the middle of our tests, patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So let me just throw this out there real quick for everybody. Um, for those who think that they're perfect, <laughs> I'm here to drop a truth bomb on you. You're not And patience needs to have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So you need to become more patient in order to become more complete. So I'm always going to remain incomplete as long as I lack patience in my life. And I'll never really know how much patience I have till I got a a, a nine-year-old testing my patience. Till you got, you know, a six-year-old testing it. Till you got a, a spouse that they come home and they're frustrated and they're angry and you're angry too. And you start to 
test each other's patience. You start to talk about, hey, man, you know what? Uh, it would be easier if you would have dinner ready on the table. It'd be easier if you wouldn't work so much and you'd come home and help every once in a while. It'd be easier. And, and we just go back and forth. It, we don't really know how incomplete we are until the test comes. And when the test comes, it reveals where we're at in our patience scale. And our patience will reveal where we're at in our completeness. But let's even go back a little bit further since we have all the time in the world and nowhere to go. I, I think that the other thing is, is that the Holy Spirit gives us the fruit of the Spirit and it's in nine fruits of the Spirit. And out of the nine fruits of the Spirit broken up into groups of three, patience and self-discipline are in there towards the end. And it's because as you grow in the Spirit and as you grow with God, you're going to grow in your patience and you're going to grow in your maturity and you're going to grow in your self-discipline. So that's huge. So we need to step back and say, okay, God, I maybe need to mature a little bit. I may be a little impatient with the church and the pastor and how they're deciding to do things or not do things. I, I maybe need to be patient with my boss and my business. I need to show a little more patience to my family, my kids, my spouse. I need to be a little more patient because patience is gonna help me be complete. And I, I don't need to speak while I'm incomplete. Isn't that what we have too much of? A lot of people talking before they have all the information to begin with. And so now so many people wanna speak in an from an incomplete place where I really don't know what I'm talking about, but I wanna just go ahead and talk anyway. I'm gonna skip to a verse that's further down that I plan on preaching later, but it's verse 19. And it talks about after this test and during this test, it says, so then, so after this whole talk that James gives. He says, so then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift or quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to wrath for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Your anger won't produce anything. Your wrath that you want to display on other people in the government and businesses and uh, leaders and, and, and directors and all those different things, your spouse, your kid, where, whatever category you want to categorize where your wrath is directed at, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God and nor will it ever. It'll never produce the righteousness of God in your life. And so if you want to be in right standing, because that's what righteousness means with God, you need to let go of your wrath. You need to let go of your anger. You need to let go of your frustration and your anxiety. And if I could just speak to how do you do that? How do you let go of your anger? So uh, for me, I listen to, do you have any gospel music? You could, a little, little gospel tone. I like listening to gospel music. Maybe you like listening to country music. Oh man, when I turn on gospel music or Josh starts hitting that organ sound right there, man, we start going and, and it, it brings me, it, all of a sudden, I, I can't be so angry anymore. It, it takes a levity off. Or weren't you playing like some classical uh, yeah, where, where's the classical music? We got time. This is awesome. For those of you who have class, this is called classical music. And so this is like, maybe you need to play this in your house and go to a, 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 a 
go to a nice place, go to a loving place, go, go to your safe place, go, go, go into a place where all of the stress melts off. Maybe you need to go out, outside and go for a walk and kick some rocks for a little bit. It's better that you kick the rocks instead of kicking your kids. It's better that you kick those rocks instead of kicking your wife again. It's better that you kick those rocks instead of kicking and throwing stones at other people and believers and Christians because we're all children of God. And nobody's perfect and we're all trying to work our way towards Christ and as we do we have to have understanding for one another instead of just getting frustrated and angry with each other and mad about the decisions that other people are making or they aren't making we need to realize what's on our table and what we really need to deal with because there are a lot of things that other people are doing that I I can't do anything about and I have to, t- I, I, I can't do a single thing about it. So that, even though it's a fact, it does affect me. It does impact me. It is a fact of my life. It is a truth. I can't, if I can't do anything about it, it, it doesn't belong on my plate. It doesn't belong on my table. Yeah. It doesn't build me up. It doesn't grow me. It doesn't challenge me. So this needs to come off my plate. I don't need to worry about these things because these things aren't something. And then I also need to pray about it. God, is this something you want me to have here. I need to remove this if it's not meant to be. And so we need to start seeing, God, what's on our table here? What what do you want us to remove from this? And how do we process our frustration and anger and let all this go? Because this is this is where we're at. Guys, it doesn't get any more real than this right here, this word. Uh, this is a word that none of us wanted to hear because many of you have read this scripture, know this scripture, and yet you know you didn't want me to teach about this scripture because you know it says, count it all joy when you face corona, when you face bankruptcy, when you face uh, joblessness, when you face homelessness, when you face drug addiction, when you face uh, all the wiles of the world and the enemy and the tests that come against you, know that you got to count it all joy because then that develops patience and patience through its perfect work will make you complete, lacking nothing. And then he says this, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, it will be given to him. Now, before I go into the last scriptures, I have to tell you, this is a big piece. If you don't know why, and you're frustrated on what's going on, and God give me wisdom to get through this, he says, I'm gonna give you wisdom liberally and generously to all those. And one version says, without finding fault. So I'm not gonna look for you to be perfect, Josh. I'm not gonna make sure you do everything just right, and then I'll give you some more wisdom. He wants to give wisdom exponentially, generously to all those who ask for it, in their time of testing. And when I get tested, I need more wisdom. I need to listen more and speak less. And let me just tell you, you need to do more listening than speaking because while you're speaking, you can't be learning. And you, what, if you need to be learning wisdom, then you gotta be quiet. And, and instead of yelling and talking, you need to shh and gain understanding gain understanding in your life, gain understanding in your heart and your mind, gain understanding for your spirit, gain understanding for your emotions, gain understanding for each other, gain understanding for how God is moving. Get a, get a whole nother level of understanding. And, and I, I even feel led to talk about this. It, you know, uh, the Bible says, if you speak in the tongues of men and of angels, 
right? So there's a heavenly language and there's an earthly language. So there's an understanding that's on a greater dimension and scale than I understand. But before we even get that far, uh, let me paint a picture. Uh, Josh doesn't speak all kinds of different languages, but if I had Omar up here and I began to have a conversation with Omar and Omar was sitting up here and, and I would vent my frustration to Omar and I would talk to Omar and I would tell Omar how mad I am and all he would do is reply in Spanish, we wouldn't get very far because I don't understand a word Omar is saying. But Omar understands every word I'm saying because he's bilingual. I'm not bilingual. I can only speak English. But he can speak Spanish and English. Well, how does he speak that? Because he took classes, he learned, he watched, he listened, he grew, he understood, he read, he studied, he got into a new language and he developed himself in that language. I wanna encourage every single person in here that when you're trying to gain another level of understanding, you need to gain another level of a language in your life, a heavenly language. How, how, you might be good in English, but how much do you speak the language of God? How much do you speak the language of the Holy Spirit? Because while we're trying to follow God and the Holy Spirit, while we're venting and frustrating and we're angry and we're upset, are we understanding what's being spoken back to us? Or are we so ignorant of the language of heaven that we don't understand and that's why the frustration continues? Because I'm continually venting to God, but I refuse to learn the language of God. Do you know the language of God? Because this is where I study His language. This in the Bible is where I learn the heavenly language and I understand that God speaks in a new dimension to me and if I learn the language I guarantee we'll have better communication and if we have better communication then I'll have a better level of understanding and if I have a better level of understanding I'll have a greater level of patience and if I have a greater level of patience I'll have a greater level of joy but the reason that the that that the degradation happens or, or the depreciation or all of it continues to be stripped away from us is because we don't start where we need to and that's starting in his word with his voice and his language I, I'm gonna go even further because again, you ain't going anywhere. Uh, men and women don't speak the same language. So while you begin to speak your language, men, and yet everything she says back to you sounds like the parents off of Charlie Brown, wah, 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 and you have no idea what she's saying, I want to encourage you, husbands, you need to learn the language of your wife. Women, you need to learn the language of your husbands. We don't speak the same, but as long as you continue to remain in your ignorance, there will always be frustration. But when you learn to gain understanding and when you learn a new language, your kids, your teenagers speak a whole different language and you need to learn the language of the next generation, the millennials coming up, Gen Z that's coming up, the alpha generation that's coming up. All of these generations have their own language if but if you continue to say oh I just this is just who I am this is how I communicate this is how I talk well guess what you're not going to get very far with it you're going to continue to be frustrated by it 
and you're never going to understand other people's perspectives. In, that, in our nation and in our world, that is what we lack. I lack the understanding of someone who sees it in this perspective or that perspective. It Politically, uh, uh, whether it be uh, from state to state or city to city or culture to culture, tribe to tribe, tongue to tongue, we, we just want to remain in our ignorance instead of learning a new language. And I encourage you, you in all you're getting, get understanding. And right here he says, gain wisdom. God will give you wisdom. And you need to say, God, help me understand where they're coming from. God, help me understand the language that you speak. God, help me understand and gain wisdom of the language my spouse speaks. God, give me understanding and wisdom of the language my kids speak, of the language others speak. Because there are people, guess what? I'm going to blow your mind right now, that are not like you. <laughs> and that that hurts some people because they think everybody's like me. Everybody likes the stuff I like. Everybody likes classical. Everybody likes polka. Everybody likes country. Everybody likes jazz. Everybody likes the, no, no, not everybody does. And are you willing to be flexible to, to, to in your testing, gain that patience and in your patience, ask for wisdom? Before you speak out about something, can you ask for wisdom first? No, no, no. And let me just, some of you are hearing this and you're thinking, oh, I need to watch more videos that they're posting online about what's happening. I, I need to listen to more of Fox or more, oh, because I'm a Fox guy, I need to listen to more of CNN and gain more understanding. No, 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 no. You do not listen to the media at all. I, 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 I encourage you to go on a fast of the media. Let me ask you, Josh, this is a trick question here. What, what, is, uh, uh, what, is the, what is the job of media? What's the number one, jo first job before anything can be done, what is the number one job of every media outlet out there? What's their job? Inform. Not inform. Josh said inform, but thank you for being a guinea pig. Eh, wrong. What do we have for him? <laughs> no. Is number two, the real reason is they need viewers. Every media outlet, their job is to get viewers because then they can speak do say whatever well how do you get more how do you get more viewers you get more viewers by being what in the middle of the road hey it's just another good day it's just an average day in the neighborhood you know it's just it's nice weather's normal things are good everything's pretty on the you know just steady flat line is that how you get is that how you gain viewers Talk monotone and never raise your voice and never go to any, always stay on the same level. What if you played the, what if you played the same key for the next hour? <laughs> well, you think we'd lose viewers or gain viewers, right? We lose viewers yeah. because what we want is even in our speech, in my speech, I'm demonstrative. I have to, I have to like get loud and get quiet. I have to influx my voice media outlets job is to gain viewers and they do that by being extreme either side has to be extreme in order to gain the viewers they want and they have to maintain that on a regular basis so no matter what media outlet you're using 
or listening to or hearing, I encourage you to fast it first and foremost. And then number two, understand that it is only there to be extreme with you and your heart, be extreme in their measures. It's not there to speak a baseline truth for you uh, like Jesus would do, moderation. They wouldn't, they're not gonna speak moderation. Moderation doesn't sell. They're not gonna speak balance. Balance doesn't sell but they are going to speak extremes. We should rise up against, we should and we should protest, we should do this, we should do that. But Jesus is saying, hey, come on, let's not fall in the ditch on either side of the road. Let's stay on the road. But it's not, it's not exciting to stay on the road. It's, it's fun to put the camera on the person who fell in the ditch and focus on the people in the ditch than it is to focus on the people that are still on the straight and narrow. And I'm here to tell you that there are billions of people who are still on the straight and narrow with Christ. They're following Jesus out of this. They're not fixated on their pain. They're not fixated on their problem. They're not focused on all of the things going wrong. They're focused on their solution. And I implore each and every one of you to get into that same lane as Christ and stay in that lane. Because we're not here to fall to the extremes of the world because the world is always going to try to sell us on something crazy. And let me close with my last point because it goes to this last scripture. It says this, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So first and foremost, before I even get to my last point, my, my second to last point, my sub of my last point, my two last points, before I go any further, you have to understand that when you ask, for rain, bring an umbrella. You, you, have to under, you have to say, okay, God, this is, this is where we're at, literally, right now. God, I want change. Hey, I want, I want 2020 to be a brand new year with all kinds of new stuff and new direction. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> and in this case, what you pray for. You prayed for change. I'm here to tell you, it, maybe we'll title the message this, it's your fault. It's your fault. <laughs> It's my fault. We prayed for change. We prayed for revival. We prayed for reformation. We prayed for uh, we prayed for revival to break out. We prayed for uh, a hold for everything to be different. We prayed for a new year and a new page and a new direction and a new journey and a new voyage. And we prayed for a new season of favor and glory and God. We prayed for this. So let me just start off by saying, if you're going to get mad at anybody, get mad at yourself for wanting something greater for your life because I believe with my whole heart that the bad things, the old stuff is, and I'm going to preach more about this on Sunday, the bad stuff that needs to die will be buried and won't come with us. The, wrong, the things that can't come with, the things that shouldn't come with us into the promised land, into the new year, will be buried in Egypt, be buried in the wilderness because it can't come with us. And I encourage you, you need to let some things be buried. I pray, that, I pray that the old way we used to run our government is buried before we go into a new year. I pray that there's a lot of things that we have a ceremony service for and we let it die, we let it fade, we let it go away and we move forward and say, okay, God, that's how we used to do church, but how do you want to do church now? Because 
this this is something new and i want to bring i only don't i don't want to bring anything dead into it i don't want to bring the old stuff into it and i asked for this so let me prepare for this now the hard part is to prepare for the unexpected because god's going to move in mysterious ways the bible says and in ways that you really don't understand or comprehend until you get through them but know that god will bring you through them if you've got breath in your lungs still and you're not in a hospital bed about to lose your life you have a future and that future is bright because he's in it and so you just continue to say okay god i prayed and i'm gonna stand on that prayer and i'm gonna be ready to expect that prayer now it gets into a kind of a same subject and moves into a new direction it says for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the lord he is a double-minded man unstable in all his ways and there's a lot of great beautiful ways to look at the scripture but I want to look at it in one dimension just a flat a one surface dimension right now and that is the double-minded man it means a manipulative man a man who's manipulative a man who's a liar deceitful a man who tries to uh, coerce and convince a man who tries to again manipulate people and others and 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 the bible says that a that manipulative man is unstable in all his ways and he will be found out so i want to speak to everybody who's worried that there's a bigger game afoot there's hidden things and hidden agendas and manipulation and lying and deceit let me just give you a rejoicing word from heaven and straight from the throne room of God. The truth always comes out. The cream always rises to the top and the liar always gets found out because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and the only one that they'll be deceiving in the end of it is themselves because God is gonna deliver his people and the truth will come out. The truth will set the people free and by God, we are called to the freedom in Christ Jesus and his truth has set us free and we don't need to live captive to any manipulation any lies any double-mindedness we get to be free in Christ because as I walk with him and I have patience with him and I have joy with him and I have understanding in him I will also have that peace in him that no matter what they're trying to do or not trying to do if you think it is or isn't I know that I don't even have to worry about that because Manipulative people will always be uncovered. Double-minded people will always be found out. Eventually, it always comes out. And, it's all, and, and it will happen. And you don't need to worry about it, stress about it, try to make them be found out. You just need to live your life. You need to stay on your path. You need to run your race. Don't worry about that other race. Don't worry about, you know, living this race where you don't, like you, where we're constantly thinking about other people and we're constantly thinking about what they're doing and what they're not doing and what they could be doing or the, well, how, how they might be trying to use it. And I've heard this so many times. Oh, somebody's making money off this. Somebody's doing well off this. Okay, well, maybe. But my, I'm not basing my blessing on what the world could do for me if they told me or didn't tell. I'm basing the potential of my blessing on who God is in my life. And so I'm not gonna be quick to speak. 
I'm not going to be quick to blame. I'm not going to be quick to wrath because wrath doesn't lead to righteousness. And I'm not going to be quick to anger and quick to, to, to continue to be jealous or, or, or spiteful or any of those things or, or worrisome or anxious. I'm going to be quick to listen, quick to understand. And I want to release that. And I just want to speak to everybody's heart as we close this service tonight is I know that you've received a good word. I know this is a powerful word that pierces the heart and soul of each and every one of us right where we are today. And I wanna ask you, what are you gonna do with it? Because you may be frustrated. So again, what do you have on your table? What do you have on your plate? What do you have in front of you? And what are you gonna do with it? Because some things, I'm gonna hold my phone up, may not be any good for you. And some things may actually give you life. If, if I use this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help me, help sustain me. If I use this, this is going to give me eternal life. If there are things on your plate and on your table that you need to decide what you're going to do with it. Some of the things you may need to remove. Some of the things you may need to take off of. And you may need to leave what we have been calling and coining the essential things on our plate and on our table and only leave those things because that's all I need to focus on. And so continue to narrow that down and say, God, I want to I want to gain patience and understanding and I want to gain wisdom in this and I want to speak your language in this and I want to speak the language of other people and I don't need to watch media outlets to gain understanding for other people. I need to speak with the one who created all those other people and then therefore I can gain understanding for them. So I want to pray with you. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray right now. If you're with somebody, I want you to take the hand of them. If you're, uh, if you're by yourself in your home or in your, you know, in your office, I want you to stand up and I just want you to raise your hands. And I want you to just begin to speak the truth of God over your life. That you're going to count it all joy. That you're going to count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. And that the testing of your faith will develop perseverance. And let perseverance finish its complete work so that you may be mature and perfect, lacking nothing. Grow up in your patience and don't speak from your incompleteness. Lord, let us not speak first, but let us listen first. Let us continue to walk first before we talk first. And Lord, I thank you, God, Lord, that we're not gonna yell anymore. We're gonna gain understanding first. We're not going to be frustrated and angry and do nothing with it or do the wrong thing with it. We're going to vent our anger. We're going to let go of our frustration, our anxiety, our worries, and our stress. We're going to let all of that go so that we can be at peace because that patience, God, Lord, is going to develop a peace in our life from the understanding in our life, which will produce joy in our life. More joy, more joy, more joy. Because we count even the test joy. And Lord, I pray that everything that we've asked for, let us be expecting. Let us be prepared for it. And Lord, I pray if there's any double-mindedness going on, you would free us from it. Any manipulation trying to hold us, your truth would set us free. Any lies that are trying to hold us captive, then the truth will set us free. Any deceitfulness that's trying to hold us and hurt us, that the truth would set us free. Let the truth of Jesus Christ set each and every person free right now in the holy mighty name of jesus and i thank you god that we are not going to live captive anymore because you came to set the captive free and i don't have to be captive to anybody or anyone because whom the sun sets free is free indeed and i thank you lord that we are free and we're going to live wholeheartedly for you 
dedicated to you, completely for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise. Awesome to be with you. Uh, tonight. So thankful to have you. We want to speak this bridge declaration. Then we've got a closer for you that we want you to stay tuned for on some next steps for everybody. Uh, and so if you want to give your life to Jesus, uh, you can do that right in the comments below. Say, I choose Jesus. And, and I want you to pray a prayer. And I want you to say, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I surrender to you because if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he died on that cross, rose again from the grave and and he he poured his spirit out for you that jesus when you call on him salvation comes to your home and you could do that no matter where you are or what you're going through right now and you can choose jesus and it's that easy it's that powerful too it's powerful and so we thank you for choosing Jesus. And we thank you for choosing to be with us tonight and worshiping and hearing the word tonight. Thanks for tuning in the whole time. Make sure you, if you just tuned in the middle or towards the end, rewind, watch the whole thing. I mean it. And the Lord is watching. So make sure you do this. You rewind and watch it because there's so much in here for you. And you need to feed your spirit. Your, some of you, your spirits are starving. And you need to feed the spirit of God within you. Feed the spirit. So let's declare this together, and then we'll receive our closer, and then we'll be dismissed, and we'll see you on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Let's say it together. I am a bridge builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. I will live out his gospel. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. God bless you, Bridge Church. Have a wonderful evening, and we'll see you this week on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. We are so glad that you joined us today. If you made a spiritual decision today, whether that was dedicating your life to Christ for the first time or rededicating your life, send us an email at info at wearebridge.church and let us know that you made that spiritual decision. Also, if you are joining us for the first time with our Bridge Church online family, we have a very special gift for you. Email us at info at wearebridge.church to share some information on where we can send that gift. We are so glad that you joined us today and we can't wait to see you soon. That's right, so make sure you stay connected because why? We are so much better together. Bye, Bridge fam.